Hey everyone, it's Sam, That Girl with the Curls, bringing you finally another new episode of That Girl with the Curls podcast. Um, it is, uh, yeah, it's it's wintertime. It's also the holiday season uh, for me, and uh, as you probably well know from listening to recent podcasts and recent intros, that uh, my house is a pretty full one, so it's a bit harder right now to uh, get podcasts out in a consistent uh, time frame. But uh, if you're, uh, I guess, a loyal listener, then you will have been rewarded with this this new episode, uh, which is episode 104. Uh, I plan on, I, I do plan on keep going. I'm not going to stop just because I, I surpassed 100. Um, yeah, episode uh, 104 with uh, Elizabeth Beyer, who is the author and artist of the most recent uh, book to come out from Northwest Press, uh, which is called The Big Book of Bisexual Trials and Errors, uh, which is Elizabeth's, um, as we discuss in the podcast, uh, second coming of age, basically, um, as she explores and discovers who she is as a person and as a bisexual uh, woman. So there's that. Uh, this uh, Just to clarify what's happening in this, uh, I recorded it at Outsider Comics, where I occasionally have done recordings and set up events there. And Elizabeth uh, did a small presentation, uh, which I will have cut out of this because she was going through the book. And unless you have the book with you, it's not going to make as much sense because it's just her reading panels to you that you don't have a visual aid for. So that's not in there. But there was a little bit of a QA and a uh, after that. And then after that, we went to the back room and recorded for probably about another half an hour with Elizabeth and her editor, uh, Zan, from Northwest Press. So thank you to both of them. Thank you for coming to Outsider Comics. Um, I'm glad that we could be a small blip in, in the little in the book tour. Uh, and hopefully in the summer we can <laughs> arrange for some bigger events to happen um, because Elizabeth was lovely and awesome and Zan was great as well. Uh, also lovely and awesome as I don't want to I don't want to leave anyone out from feeling lovely and awesome. Uh, but it was a real pleasure to, to get to talk to her and talk about this book, which I hope you will uh, buy either physically or get the PDF or on Comixology, however you can find it. Um, please support uh, Elizabeth and Northwest Press because they have, they both, uh, as a person and as entities, have uh, amazing works that should be shared. So uh, without further ado, here is episode 104 with Elizabeth Beyer. Okay. Game face. I've got bipolar disorder, my shit's not in order, I'm overweight, I'm always late, I've got too many things to say, I rock mom jeans, cat earrings, extrapolate my feelings, my family is dysfunctional, but we have a good time killing each other, they tell us from the time we're young, to hide the things that we don't like about ourselves. Inside ourselves I know I'm not the only one Who spent so long Attempting to be someone else Well, I'm over it So these ones I sort of did All in a row um, I had the Hamilton Soundtrack going <laughs> I live alone So I just played it over and over And 
any particular song that kept uh, kept non-stop. you going nonstop? Yeah. <laughs> How long does it take you to do one of these? So these, take this one. Yeah, these chapter title pages were definitely like six hour to eight hour drawings. Okay. Um. So, but you know that was fine. Like I would either take a weekend day or if I got off at work at like six o'clock. Or got home at 6 o'clock, I could draw until midnight and get up at 8 the next day and go back to work because I live really close to my office. Oh, okay. Well, that's so, nice. that yeah. So, it was definitely, I did about half of this book um, in 2014, and I did about half of it this summer because I got this amazing opportunity to work with Zan for Kickstarter. And I was like, as many pages as you want. You're like, <laughs> then she got drunk with power, and then uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what happened. Yeah, and there were there were maybe sometimes w- during the summer when I was like, oh man, like, am I not going to be able to finish this? And that would be really embarrassing. But we finished it, and it all came out very nicely. Yeah, really did. So thank you. Um, so because I did a lot of work in a short period of time, lots of people asked how that happened. So I made a little cheat sheet of my top tips. Uh, Here's me. All right. So like many artists, I do my best and fastest work when I can achieve a flow state, which is uninterrupted hyper-creativity that flows through me and erases awareness of time and or anxiety. So I feel both very relaxed and energized in this state. How do you achieve this? One, set aside a chunk of time for just art. I find that longer is better, but the key is for it to be interrupted. So no phones, no Twitter or other internet, no chatting with other people, no work email. I, if I need to like have a reference, like that picture of Oakland, I download it to my desktop first, and then I just shut off my internet. Okay. Uh, set up a space just for creativity. Ideally not like <laughs> in bed, but ideally... <laughs> Well, I, I used to do that sometimes. I was like, I, I'll just vote get out of bed. I'll just draw this comic in bed and then go back. No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, so I set up my drawing table um, and my art computer, which used to be my work computer. Now it's my art computer in my living room. And I only do art in this space, so I don't like sit down and go on social media. So this is where my flow state can know to come visit me. A chair should be upright and like comfortable, but not not too cushy because it's supposed to be a working environment. Yeah. So then my most hippy-dippy thing that I ever do is I ask for my flow state to visit me. Um, I don't believe in God or other hippy-dippy things, but I do say <laughs> like a prayer before working that, um, that this will come and visit me. I'm, I'll say like I'm going to be drawing for three hours. I'm trying to achieve X, Y, Z. Thank you in advance for coming, and it's going to be so great. And I, if I'm grateful for it before it even happens, then that makes it more likely. Um, except that at first, and even many years in, even if you're doing everything right, um, flow state might not happen every single time, and that's okay. And then just to start creating. So it definitely won't be a beautiful flow state if you don't start. Um, push yourself to do your very best work but don't judge yourself at this stage and be grateful that you have the time and drive to make art at all because that's a pretty lucky thing in the world how do you know that you're in a flow state Um, you might never want to stop working on what you're working on you might have no sense of time or feel like the world is falling away 
you might feel like there are boundless possibilities presenting themselves within reach. Your brain might feel like it's humming and sparkling and that your perception is changing, for example, from linear time to expanded time. Your ego version of yourself, like, I am Elizabeth, I am a graphic designer, I have to be at work at 9 a.m., <laughs> to I am a temporary vessel of art, storytelling, and truth. Um, you might go from feeling anxious or inferior or hungry or whatever to feeling powerful and limitless and like you have everything that you need at your disposal to make your art. And you might go from feeling like you don't have any ideas to that you have boundless ideas and that you're very curious to pursue them. Uh, after the art time is done, look at what you made. Be grateful if you had a flow state or be, just be grateful that you had the art time. Um, plan when you and your flow state will meet again. Um, know that you're always growing. And yeah, like do something fun afterwards. Like have some, like take a nap or go for a walk or everything is just extra shiny and happy during this time. Extra flow tricks, get enough sleep. Um, this is like, I could be taking care of myself better in many ways, but I do make sure to get enough sleep always because if I don't, then it's hard to do my best creative work. Um, so even when I was working like my full-time job and getting this comic out, I made sure to get eight hours of sleep a night anyway. And I just didn't go out very much. And I had a great time. It was one of the best times of my life. Um, honestly, assess whether substances help you. For me, I need to be stone cold sober to achieve my flow state. And I believe other people who say it's different for them, but that's just about honestly assessing the way it is for you. Um, keep art where you were in a flow state nearby your workspace to remind you of how it's felt. Um, consume a lot and very varied artwork, so museums, podcasts, stories, comics, all things that inspire you. Um, stop putting yourself down because if you keep telling yourself that you're crap, then your flow state won't want to visit you. And then reconnect with your passion. So remind yourself why you're making art in the first place and what feels great about creating things and communicating that with others. So, okay, yay for flow, but also rigorous file structure. <laughs> <laughs> Which means... Um, <laughs> so, this just means that for every chapter, I had my scan folder, my bitmap folder, my edit folder, and my final folder for every single page. And I named them differently as they went along. Okay. And that's the way that I knew. So like if Zan got back to me and said, oh, there's like a typo on like the third page of chapter eight, I can like go in and find that right away and change so you it. Have your final, final, final. <laughs> <laughs> this is the final one. This is the final one. Yeah. We got into that eventually, so we have I I, I will improve my structure for <laughs> no, next time. <laughs> but yeah. Um Practicing storytelling and writing really helps. So um, I do two shows in the Bay Area regularly, or I, I did before I moved, The Moth and Body Storytelling. And I took classes at something called the Writing Pad. So these were sort of local tips. But there there is a Moth. You know what, all of the, both of these top stories do happen in Seattle as well. The Moth is a live storytelling show where you put your name in a hat and you can tell a five-minute story on a given theme. Okay. Yeah, and it's also a radio podcast. And body storytelling is similar, but the stories are like more sexual in nature. 
but you and then you have 10 minutes um, but that's a more curated show because it's so um the host kind of has to talk to you beforehand and make sure that you know what you're getting into <laughs> <laughs> okay. um the writing pad doesn't have classes up in seattle but they do have online courses so i would recommend them as well uh yeah and then that's my the end of my presentation okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> bravo, bravo. Yes. <laughs> now, when you first started writing, 2014, yes. when you first mm -hmm. started doing this, were you doing this with the thought of making a book, or were you, was it therapy? Uh, it was a combination of the both. So, at first, there were smaller zines, so I collected them into little, like, 50-page zines and put them out. Um, the very first one that I did, I'll, I'll find what page it's on. It's in the appendix section. Yeah, it's page 182. This is not actually the original drawing because this is the one page that I lost and like, couldn't find, so I made it again. Okay. But that's fine because I made it better the second time. Okay. So this obsessive crush is pros and cons. I had like this really big crush at the time. And my therapist asked me to like go home and write down, like, what are you getting out of this and what are you giving up to to just be thinking about this person all the time. So I like very seriously like wrote it out. And then when I looked at my list, I thought, well, this is pretty hilarious. <laughs> this is better than a lot of things I see on Tumblr. So, um, yeah. So then at that point I thought, well, I might as well. And then, and then that first date, the one that I read to you about with the woman mm -hmm. at, at Jupiter Cafe, who just it was just I'm sure she's a fine person but it was just like not yeah. a good connection um, so after that I changed her name and profession and I changed those features so that nobody would know that it was her and I changed what she looked like but I thought like if it's just me then that's just kind of lonely but if I make a comic about it then it's funny right. yeah okay. yeah and did you find that when, okay, after you did the initial one and then now you're going to do this thing and you're making these, these pictures and writing for the book, was it different? Um, I did think... You, was it more, did you feel more anxiety? What I knew that it was going to be a real book, mm -hmm. I was very, very excited okay. Okay. Um, with Zan. I think, I don't think it made me anxious. I think it made me want to make sure I was doing my best work okay. so so things like um, things like these pages that were so like these pages the chapter pages that was about me like looking at all of my work and saying like well the things I did this summer are sort of more nuanced and sophisticated than what I did a few years ago so maybe I'll just make every single chapter title really beautiful so that it ties the book together I was really glad that you started with that introduction that was more on oh pages. thanks because it, yeah. it, um, it lets people know that, that they're gonna, there's going to be a journey of not only your yeah. personal journey, but also your, your art and your development as an artist. I thought it was really nice to tie it together. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So, yeah, I, um, yeah, thank you very much. It was one of the differences between the final book and the zines is that the original zines were, and then they were shorter, and they, each one of them was about 50 pages, but they would have, like, four or five stories each. And they didn't really go in a particular order, but for the the book overall, I meant 
I, the, with the material that I was adding, I was making an overall arc. So yeah, that was the one thing that I was a little bit anxious about is, okay, well now that I'm making this arc, what if I don't finish? <laughs> that would be embarrassing. <laughs> but that just meant that I had to make um, sort of clear decisions about how I spent my time and what I prioritized. Um, I was lucky to be able to take a little bit of time off of work because I worked for a European company with like some generous vacation time. So I was like, okay, well I'm taking some of this time off now to work on my book. And that was, that was part of how I accomplished it too. Um, but yeah, I think knowing that it was going to be a full book and that people would read it it was just very exciting. Yeah. Is there going to be a sequel? Um, I, my next book is a different book. I'm, I'm working with an agent named um, Anjali Singh, who was the agent behind Persepolis, actually. Okay. And we're working on producing a young adult, or even actually really middle grade coming of age story about me as a child. I had a crush on my best friend. And I knew that my family would be okay with me being queer, but I was afraid that my friend wouldn't want to be my friend anymore. So it's sort of about what happens when your friend is, you have more than friendly feelings. So I'll be what that's about. Yeah. Are you working on that now? Yes. So I've been mostly in my research phase, like reading all of the YA middle grade graphic novels because it's very different. Mm -hmm. Right. I had I made about sixty pages of that book earlier, and I'm putting it all in the bin and starting over because I mean not exactly throwing it away, but um, I made it in 2015. I really grew artistically while making this book, and um, now that I've done that research, I see I was writing it as though I was writing for adults, just about kids. And I really want it to be something that, you know, a 13 year old could read and it would be appropriate for them and they would be able to be like engaged by it. Yeah. And the guy you dated for six years, are you still friends? Um, we last talked a few, like a few years ago, cause he's so quiet. So it eventually sort of petered out because whenever we would call, he just wouldn't really say anything okay. anymore. Okay. I did ask him before we broke up if it would be okay if he was eventually in a comic book because I always knew I would want to make comic books and he said um, that it would be okay, he wouldn't want his name to be changed and so I changed his name and tried to be respectful that way. Um, did you anticipate doing um, autobiographical comics or were you already doing that at the time? Yeah, I was doing some sort of sketchbooky one, so I was like writing like diary stuff in my sketchbook. In chapter eight, there's there's a woman who I'm still seeing now, and mm-hmm. well, I don't want to give it all away. Okay. But um, she's a character in the book, and she's a character in my current life. Okay. But in the case of her, she was very excited about being a character in my book, and she was willing to like pose for photo references. <laughs> we like draw her really well, and um, so that was really lovely. And when I first saw the book in LA, she wasn't able to be there that weekend because she works weekends. But I like took a picture of the um, one of the like hot pictures of her, one of the hot drawings <laughs> of her, and sent her a text message. And she'd be like, "This is so great." <laughs> So I'm glad that she had that response yeah, because, yeah. you know, and at first we were a little bit nervous about it. Like it's one thing for me to like make these like sexy pictures of myself, but when it's like another person and like right. 
that person is still in your life and then you're like friends with their family and their mm-hmm. family's friends with you and like mm-hmm. oh like um so we had to talk about what would be okay and what wouldn't be okay mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah but it was important to me to put some sexy sex in the book <laughs> because you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> and we as readers appreciate that <laughs> everyone knows sex sells I mean. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and sex is a very wonderful and exciting part of life mm-hmm. so I decided to just it, it did even though I'm like really versed in the whole sex positive culture mm-hmm. and I've done like the live sexy storytelling when I was doing some of the pages towards the end, I still got a little bit nervous. I was like, oh man, like, what if my grandma sees it? Because <laughs> she's going to back the Kickstarter. She's never had sex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. She wouldn't know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But it was, I, 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 so I sort of thought about it. I was like, these are my values. This is what I think yeah. is important. So yeah. I did it anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it does add a, a, another measure of um, vulnerability yes. because like when you yeah. do like the moth or a, a speaking engagement, it's not necessarily recorded for the ages. Right. You know, when you put something to paper that's published, yeah. it just has such a longer lifespan to it. Yeah. Where you have a longer time to question what you've done, <laughs> who's going to see it, all that exactly. stuff. So. Hi. Oh, this is Roberta Gregory. Hi. Good to see you. <laughs> yeah. Roberta is an Excellent cartoonist. Hey, hi. Thank you for coming. Oh, sure. Um, yeah, I was just talking about putting sexy times in my comic book. <laughs> I think um, yeah, the other thing about it is you don't necessarily know how your relationship with that other person is going to be a few years from now. Mm. But it's still, that's part of the reason I'm glad that I did it was that it captured a very important moment for me. Exactly. And it's nice to have that sort of captured without, without my memory changing it too much from here. Yeah. 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 What's the second coming of age? Yes. Oh yeah. Well, message me on Facebook. I definitely will. (laughs) Be like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Um, Hi, Roberta. Um, Would you like to to look? I know you. I've got a copy. You've got a copy. Okay. I brought my copy to be signed. Oh, hooray! I will be very happy to sign it. Sure. Yeah. Done with your presentation. Yeah, I actually just, I, I finished my presentation just now, but it was amazing, but I can, I can, I, but if you have the book, you know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it was just yeah. chapter one in the beginning of chapter mm-hmm. two, I'm going backwards now, but mm-hmm. just a little bit by a little bit. They don't have to urge me to sign. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. Um, I met Roberta at the Queers and Comics Conference, which is every few years, and it's a gathering of awesome <laughs> it's so awesome yeah because every gener all of the generations of queer cartoonists oh, come together yeah. yeah it's really great um yep yay, yay. <laughs> this was amazing thank you thank you so much thank you and it was just by chance that i because i'm not on facebook a lot but mm-hmm. just by chance i happened to see that mm-hmm. and it's at san francisco portland and seattle i'm like i'm in seattle <laughs> <laughs> well 
that's great. Thank you so much for coming. My pleasure. Yep. Let me just let cool. it get, get going. But so the presentation went well. Yeah, went that was fun. Again, Thanks. sorry. For the- <laughs> No, it's okay. And so I'm, I'm going to do the same exact one tomorrow. So yeah. it's actually really nice to... Good practice. Yes. Mm-hmm. So yes. it's always like practice, practice, practice. And, and, and my mom's friend is so nice. There you go. I so, I've never met her and she was so lovely. <laughs> she was a friend yeah. of your mom's? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and my mom is very supportive well, about me making mm-hmm. books about <laughs> my sex life. And yeah. <laughs> comics. Yeah, I was gonna, yeah. I was gonna say like, you're, you're, like we said before, like it's there's so like something so much more permanent about putting it into a book. Yes. Where you're just yeah. like, this isn't gonna go away immediately. Like this <laughs> yeah. will be around for a while. This will be around. And the funny thing about it is, um, there's one review that I got from Comicsverse that's like my favorite review mm-hmm. and it's like really positive and it was the first one and it was the one where I sort of read it and mm-hmm. teared up on the plane and showed it to all Aww. my plane neighbors um, but they excerpted of all of the pages there's like one page that references flogging and fisting <laughs> and so they like they like screenshotted that one part and put it in the review and like that's the review that comes up when you Google my name now. So oh. I was like Elizabeth Byer. There's like a little bar on the like on the right hand side to yeah. like click on my book, and then it goes straight to fisting. <laughs> like, wow. Elizabeth Byer, straight to fisting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gay to fisting. Gay to fisting. There you go. Um, but that's fine. Fisting is great. Um, it's just I just have to, um, yeah, and like no regrets really. I it was. Um, it's all, it's all yeah. good. It's all exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, what was it, Zan, that brought you to Elizabeth? Like, how did you guys get together to? Was it just the Kickstarter, or was no? There um, that? Well, there was that. That was the that was the kind of like the impetus to to jump on it and 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 get it done sooner. Mm-hmm. It's nothing like a deadline to to spur people into action. Oh, sure, I so, know that. Um, <laughs> yeah, Kickstarter asked me if uh, I had any projects that I had done in the past that I would want to kind of celebrate and remix and do a new version of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I talked to a few people who had done, like I talked to Robert Kirby who did the queer anthology. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but it, it had to be something that was kind of ready to go because it was so quick. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to do, I ended up doing, um, this is kind of an homage or kind of a, a follow-up book to Anything That Loves, which mm-hmm. was the anthology all about uh, non-binary sexuality. Yeah, yeah. And so um, this is kind of like a deep dive into one person's story as opposed to a whole bunch of stories, mm-hmm. but it kind of fits really well in that vein. And so yeah. we were able to do like a bundle and all kinds of... Uh, we brought back the Wibbly Wobbly Sexy Wexy t-shirts. Of course, yes. <laughs> um, and so it was, it was really good. It was nice to do... Uh, it's always nice to do a, a focused project where you're mm-hmm. like having helping one person tell their story. Yeah. I mean, because, yeah, I've talked to a few other people who have done Kickstarters, like uh, Spike Trotman and Tanika Stotts and everything, and they, it's just... It's like this wrangling thing, like when you're trying to do an anthology and get everyone together, and then when you can just focus on one person and be like, hey, all right, here we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, just you and me. We're in it together. Right? Yes. Um, and... and I did want to say when I was reading it, um, which I love this book, by the way. It's, oh, thank you. It's fantastic. This is the gushy portion oh. uh, where I say, oh, awesome you are, and you're great. And, you know. <laughs> thank you. Uh, but it, it, what struck me, I mean, it's not like a huge revelation, but it's, it's the whole idea that this book really comes together when you think of it as it's how you learn to love yourself first. Like mm-hmm. the, the sex, the sexy times and all that kind of stuff. Like that's definitely part and parcel of the story, but it's only when you as a character in, in your mm-hmm. book and in real life, 
uh, accept yourself as a person. You're just like mm-hmm. faults and flaws. However, I whoever I am, this is me, and I love that mm-hmm. about myself. And then from there, that's where you then come into your own, like sexually. Yes, that was a big part of the message that I was trying to convey. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of coming to grips with like gaining a bunch of weight and mm-hmm. being like, well, do I need to like go off and, and lose 60 pounds before I can find love. And then, mm-hmm. um, yeah, actually the experience of just deciding through certain events in the book, which I don't want to spoil because they're towards the end, but through those events, um, coming to see my body as just part of me and something that I really love and like mm-hmm. made me feel more confident. Yeah. And then it was once I felt more confident that I was more attractive to other people as well. Mm -hmm. And then everything got better from there. Yeah. Well, I mean, even what you were saying with the, um, the, the YA, uh, story you're doing, Mm -hmm. I mean, this is essentially your second coming of age. Yes. You know, your first one is dealing with that there, but this one is, is definitely like, I think a lot of people go through in their adult life is, is a second, like. It's not like your midlife crisis, it's your your quarter-life crisis where you're like, I'm still figuring out who the hell I really am. Yes. Because that changes within, you know, especially in your 20s, it changes from like, I'm not the same person at the age of 20 that I was when I was 25. Like, it, exactly. it changes so quickly. Yeah. Um, and then this is kind of like that, like, this is all the changes and this is how I got to the other side of that. Yeah. yeah. I think that that's right. And I think that because... Uh, my relationship with James' character was so long. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it started when I was 18 and ended when I was 24. Yeah. Those were a lot of really formative mm-hmm. years and experiences. And, you know, straight through college. And then afterwards, I was like, what? Who am I? <laughs> it's like, what happened? I'm now this old? And like, <laughs> yeah. Blink and you miss it? <laughs> yeah. And sort of... Um, you know, these experience, like, because I had come out in high school as gay and then mm-hmm. all, rah, rah, I'm going to go to college and have all of the lesbian times. Yeah, like you do. Then, <laughs> yeah, there was like, I was like, oh, now I'm going to have to do this whole disclosure thing mm-hmm. on my dates to be like, I've never done this before. Yeah. No, there, there, and, there is a, a sense of, mm-hmm. especially like when you're still figuring yourself out, mm-hmm. you know, if you feel like you're not as experienced as other people or, you know, just uh, like you, uh, I mean, basically just boils down to that. Like, I don't feel like I'm experienced enough, that there's always this like weird caveat you try to give people ahead of time. Yeah. Like, look, I'm sorry for all of this. So here's a list <laughs> of the things that I haven't done yet that I might not be good at right now. I so. thought the analogy that's interesting is maybe um, like when you're going to try and get a job yeah and they're like well we want someone with experience you're like well how would i get experience if i can't get a job get a job and doing this thing you know so i i thought it was um really relatable Mm -hmm. um that was one of the things that really drew me to the book is the fact that um since it was such a deep dive into your personal story um it's not just a bi story it's not just a queer story it's like Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. very i mean it's 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 kind of that's the setting Mm -hmm. that's kind of the the themes but it's really a human story it's about like learning to love yourself learning to accept yourself feeling uh, like you're valuable and you have worth and that you can seek beauty in your life and mm-hmm. oh thank yeah. you i sometimes call it my trojan horse body acceptance story <laughs> <laughs> because i find and i and i remember this one when i was telling the zines that from a distance there are people walking by a table where if they see the word bisexual 
sort of really picking on the cover, they they like sort of stop in their tracks. Like what? Beeline over. I thought they were invisible. Yeah. I recognize that word. (laughs) And that can be either really good or really bad when that's Mm -hmm. happening. Usually it's really good. Um, And like like Zan said, that that is a big part of the story. Mm -hmm. But I think that from the feedback that I've gotten, people are really appreciating the other storyline, which is about accepting my body mm-hmm. the way that it is and recognizing like the pain that I previously went to through to be really thin at the time that I was thin mm-hmm. and um and saying like well being happy in my body wasn't my experience mm-hmm. then it's maybe not going to be my experience if I lose 60 pounds through penance and torture yeah so (laughs) So like if you starve yourself to make yourself look better i mean you're still not gonna feel better you're gonna feel Mm. like shit the whole time you can't put your life on hold yeah while you're waiting to live you know Mm -hmm. right so um i might lose weight in the future who knows maybe not maybe yes but um the important thing is um rejecting the idea of the one type of beautiful that yeah. everybody supposedly thinks is beautiful. No, I, I can definitely I, relate to that stuff yeah. in there too. When, I mean, just even when you, you know, the, those thought bubbles where you're like, I'm like this, I'm this, I'm unlovable. I'm a, you know, like all yeah. that stuff. I mean, I can personally relate to those, those oh, things. So when right. I saw that stuff, it was just like, okay, why are you crying right now? This <laughs> oh. is, you're reading a comic book, damn it. <laughs> oh, thank you. So. Yeah, there were some parts of those. One thing that was difficult was in order to have the self-love epiphanies and happy times at the end to pay off, mm-hmm. which is more in the area that I am now, I had to, for the earlier chapters, like proactively revisit the times when I was in a darker place mm-hmm. of really hating my body and feeling unlovable and like I would always be alone Mm -hmm. and that was um that was really tough to be like well it's okay I don't have to feel that way anymore it's it's over but like we have to be in that place for like eight hours for Mm -hmm. this particular page yeah and like yeah, so I, um, so but I, the way that I dealt with that was I knew it was coming and I knew it was going to be emotionally kind of tough. So I made the happy pages first and I posted them like no. around <laughs> myself. You, just, you posted like you're, you're surrounding yourself in the positive space. Yes. Yeah. Like the happy, sexy pages up and around me. <laughs> so I could just look back up at them and they would be there. And I also just took off a full week of work because I mm-hmm. was lucky and I was able to do that. And then I just got Lena Del Rey's new album. There we go. And I live alone. And so then I just played it over and over mm-hmm. and just sort of cried my way through yeah. that part of it. But I think, um, yeah, I think that having the sad parts be really, really, really sad is part of what makes the emotional journey of the book For exciting. Sure. You know, I mean, it's again, it's part of the lived experience that everyone mm-hmm. goes through. It's like you can't have acceptance of yourself until you have the dark times really where you, you know, it's almost, it's in a weird way, like hitting rock bottom, you know, you're, Mm -hmm. you're just like so down on yourself. And then suddenly it's just like, well, wait, why, why am I being this way to myself? And, you know, and you're the only Mm -hmm. one who can really pull yourself out of it. Right. The other thing that I thought was funny was 
once I sort of realized that that was going to be a big part of the arc of the book, mm-hmm. and I was putting it so heavily into the later chapters of the book, I was like, okay, well, now I'm going to have to go back to the earlier chapters and, like, put in some, like, negative thoughts about my body to, in order to make this a genuine arc. Mm-hmm. But they were already there. Oh. And at the time, like, mm-hmm. I wasn't even being self-conscious about putting them there mm-hmm. to make an arc. I just didn't like myself. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, this is so sad. <laughs> like, and I also kind of felt badly. F- I was like, oh, like, I put these little short zines out there into the world with all of this, like, fat shame in them mm-hmm. about myself. Yeah. But also being like, oh, I hope I didn't accidentally, like put out bad vibes I didn't know I was putting out. That you were upsetting other people. I think it people. reads as, as, as commentary on it, though. Like, okay. I, I mean, the, it feels like... It always felt like you had enough distance from the from the okay. really self-critical stuff mm-hmm. that you were trying to depict it as something that wasn't rational and wasn't fair. Okay. Um, so I, I... I mean, I... I that's what it felt like to me when I was reading it. Okay, I mean, maybe because cool. I knew I knew how it ends. But, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but that's kind of what it, what it seemed like to me, was that it's like cool. a way of showing somebody something that that they might be doing and then leading them out of it. Yeah. You know? Okay, cool. Yeah, it, it definitely, like, once you, when you read the full story and, and how, how it ends, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you definitely, like, understand, you know, what you, you know, you, what you assume would be fat shaming is, like, it's things that people feel about themselves all the time mm-hmm. and that you guide them through, like Zan said, how to basically, like, uh, follow the roller coaster and how to get off on the other side and be like, oh, no, wait. Like, I don't have to think like that. I don't have to yeah. feel like this all the time. I right. can just be good about all of this because all of this is amazing and awesome. And yeah. I'm, I'm unique in my way, you know? I think that that's right. And I liked... Um, so that's, that's good to know. That's reassuring. <laughs> and there was kind of a remarkable Tumblr post I went up from bisexualbooks.com mm-hmm. where... I don't know who this woman Sarah is, but she read my earlier zines and she was like, I'm so glad that she came through with this, this part of the story later. So that was nice. And it's a rare opportunity to get to like take your existing work and then look at it from a distance and then amend and like Mm -hmm. add things that you would like. So that was really great. It was kind of like chapter one or, or, you know, prologue. And then you were able to flesh it out and go somewhere with it. Go. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, yeah, it's revisiting your work and just being able to, like, oh, no, I can now tag this happy ending to it in, mm-hmm. in, yeah. in a way. Or put it in context. I yeah, guess. yeah, context, contextually yeah. speaking, like, this is who I was, this is who I am now, and here's yep. how I got there. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's yep. a hero's journey, really. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's what it is. Yeah. So we'll, we'll sort out which one was the call to action and the resistance. Oh, okay, okay. We'll do it all. We'll figure it out. Diagram it. Sounds great. <laughs> Cool. Go to yeah. Powell's and set it up. <laughs> okay. That sounds like fun. There we go. Yes. Okay. Great. Now it's going to be a thing. Okay. <laughs> Deal. The bisexual heroine's journey. There we go. There we go. There we go. Yeah. The more you know. The more you know. Um, and I did want to ask you because uh, you said your art change. I mean, your art mm-hmm. definitely changes because you started in what, 2014? Yeah. And then you ended about 2016? 2017. 2017. Just this summer. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, I mean, for you, like, how do you feel like your art? evolved I mean especially like in your depictions of yourself there's a couple of things one of them is like a couple of years ago I said things to myself like oh I'm just not a backgrounds person Mm -hmm. and just like (laughs) ignored settings entirely and I just sort of more recently was like no settings are definitely an integral part of a story Mm -hmm. and so 
got more excited about drawing spaces. Yeah. And the things about drawing myself is... So, like, the way that I look now and in the more recent chapters is objectively different than it was before. Mm -hmm. Like, before, in the earlier chapters, I actually was thinner. Mm -hmm. I, like, wasn't making that up. But also... um, But the character that was me didn't look as much like me. Mm-hmm. And that's partly, I mean, I read the Scott McCloud book, um, Understanding Comics, about like the masking technique that could be a thing. Mm-hmm. But towards the end of the book, when it became about um, personal empowerment and believing in oneself and being okay with the way that I look and mm-hmm. proud of how I look, I thought maybe it would be reinforcing mm-hmm. if I looked more like how I actually look. Yeah, because that kind of, like, final splash page that you do of yourself, yeah. um, you know, doing the moth, uh, mm-hmm. I think it was the moth competition, yeah. is is the most, like, actually looks like you sketch the entire yes. book, where everything yeah. else is more of our cartoonish depiction of yourself. Right, right. Still you, but in a different way. Yeah. And then you just kind of fully go into the, like, this is me. This is me, yeah. There you go. I mean, it, it really does track well with the journey that you were you're describing in the story because mm-hmm. you're learning to know yourself and and to see mm-hmm. yourself and, and accept it mm-hmm. accept yourself as you are um and the fact that you become more and more like yourself in, oh. in the mm-hmm. depiction i think is is i don't think it's coincidental i remember no. you writing me about the um there's a scene of you in the shower oh yeah and you wrote me <laughs> said i'm just really happy with this i'm really happy yeah. this came out <laughs> and you could tell that you were really seeing yourself yeah, no, I was. I like. I took an accurate photo reference, and I was like, "I'm just gonna draw what I actually look like," and and it looks yeah, good. Thanks. Yeah. yeah, no, and I, I think, um, one thing that I realized, partly from reading a lot of Lindy West, mm-hmm. I'm I'm so excited that I'm in Seattle when <laughs> she might be. She might be around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I love Lindy West so much, and I. What I realized when I was reading her book, Shrill, and I don't know if this is... Sometimes I don't even know if something that I think is a direct Lindy West quote or not, which Uh is why I bring her up, because I don't want to accidentally plagiarize her. (laughs) But, like, um, that if if you're, like, asking for approval of your body from some sort of an arbitrary standard and system, Mm -hmm. then, like, when you get there, the system is going to be like, oh, great, you made it. Now here's all of this validation. Yeah. Like, (laughs) because it was obviously not a great system to begin with. No. So when I was drawing that picture, the shower picture, I was like, well, this is the most me that my character has been so far. And I like it when... me as a character is actually me running around in the comics. It just felt more authentic mm-hmm. at that point. Yeah. So that was sort of a breakthrough drawing. Yeah, definitely. I yeah. mean, it's like the, cause the thing with autobiographical comics that we really, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the reason why we gravitate towards them is that there's a, there's this open honesty in them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you can kind of fish out when people aren't being honest yeah. with you. And, and so it's like when you read something like this, this book where you're just like, this is just, it's just raw emotion, you know, mm-hmm. on the page. And, you know, that's something that as a reader, as an appreciator of comics, the way, I, you know, mm-hmm. it, it is right now, like, I totally, like, I'm just thankful for those kinds of things because you're, you're putting your heart out there. 
and wow. you're asking for us to accept you, and then it's just like, I accept you. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank He's you. like, I just want to hug you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I, um, I really don't feel very... I have this paradoxical relationship with self-exposure, mm-hmm. I think, where the if I put it out there really explicitly with like vulnerable drawings and my most secret thoughts, mm-hmm. then I'm no longer really afraid of people looking at it and knowing it. Yeah. It's sort of when I'm like going through life with it only being in my brain mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> I hope nobody in the world knows that I secretly think I'm too fat to be loved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Then that's like really nerve wracking and mm-hmm. horrifying. Yeah, I mean you're bottling up your emotions essentially. Yes, like, you know. and then um, then what happens if I write about those emotions is that I find out that so many other people who are reading the book have had similar experiences, mm-hmm. and that um, people are excited about reading it, and um. They're, like, very accepting and loving and mm-hmm. kind. Yeah. And, like, I was expecting at least a little bit of, like, nastiness on the internet. Like, yeah. not it hoping for it. Yeah, it's the yeah. internet. Yeah. Like, not hoping for it, but just sort of expecting that there would be a little bit and, like, absolutely nothing. Like, everybody. Oh, really? Yeah, no. Yeah. Everyone's been good? <laughs> yeah. And, um... And you're like, what is this? What happened, internet? <laughs> like, did no. someone die? Did no. I die? I'm dead, aren't I? <laughs> like, I'm sure it'll. I'm sure at some point along my career it'll come. But the fact that that people have been so kind and so far mm-hmm. and say that it's very relatable is rewarding. And I think vulnerability yeah. is definitely something that disarms people. Mm-hmm. Like if they're if you're if you're if you're if you're strident and you're bold and you're aggressive and you're what other things. Um, that's one thing, but if you're if you're just opening up about yourself and mm-hmm. letting people in, I think that people just kind of can't help but uh, empathize, can't help but understand you, and not not want to do that. Hopefully, mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. yeah, I think I think that people. Um, I try to be. I think that there's a lot of fashionability towards being kind of ironic mm-hmm. and jaded and. Yeah. Which is fine. Yeah. But for um, some people. <laughs> yeah. For me, I aspire to just be as direct as possible. Mm-hmm. And if my emotions are really big, then it's just going to be really traumatic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and over the top. Well, I, I, I've talked to several people about this because there's this whole idea, especially with women, mm-hmm. um, is the experience of feeling emotions mm-hmm. that are okay to feel, you know? Right. It's, I, I have a long-standing issue with um, women not being allowed to feel anger because yes. it's a very real emotion and uh-huh. we feel it constantly, yeah. you know, but women in general are told to not, you know, show that anger. It's like, yeah. bottle it up, stick it inside you, let it fester into a wound so large that one day you're going to explode in front of everyone and they're like, well, what happened? She, everything seemed fine, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, especially in art, you know, in art, there is you know, this uh, avenue for, you know, getting those emotions out there mm-hmm. and also having people to, you know, offer that kind of feedback as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I hope that, I mean, certainly when I read um, Shrill by Lindy West, then I, I referenced her in the 
the notes in my story. Mm-hmm. But there was definitely sort of a before and after I read that book in my life, and yeah. it really shifted the way that I felt about my body. Mm-hmm. And I hope that that will be true for somebody reading my book, that they'll, having gone on my journey mm-hmm. with me, will think about their own body more lovingly and tenderly that would be a real success that's the great thing about being open is that Mm -hmm. i think that the question people probably most ask of like counselors and psychiatrists Mm -hmm. and whatever is is it normal to and then Mm -hmm. whatever yeah if you're saying this is happening and somebody else is like that's also happening yeah (laughs) then that feeling of being alone and not like feeling weird and like i'm not fitting in like everybody else's surface yeah looks like they're all perfect and fine (laughs) I don't fit with that because nobody yeah. does. Yeah, no like, one's got their shit perfect. together. No. No. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, is it normal to? I'm just going to say yes. I'm just going <laughs> to go ahead, knock out years of therapy for you right now and just say yes. Mm-hmm. Or rather, all nothing normal. is normal. Yeah, no, nothing. nothing's yeah. normal and that's what's normal about it. Right. <laughs> so if you feel like you're you're angry too much, sure, you're, mm-hmm. you're probably angry, you know. So yeah. let's figure out what you're angry about first and yeah. then go from there. Mm-hmm. It's like years Makes of therapy, sense. done. I've solved <laughs> it for everyone. Magic. Magic. Yes, you don't have to pay that money. At all. Your parents no. will be happy. Yes. <laughs> so, and, and, uh, and one more thing I wanted to touch on on the art, too, is mm. that, because in the introduction to your book, oh, yes. um, uh, she talks about, I'm, I'm sorry, I forgot her name really quick, uh, is it April or oh, Avery? Avery, there yes. we go. It was close. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a French version. Uh, Avery uh, talks about the how your composition changes yes. uh, depending on uh, you know what you're feeling at mm-hmm. the time like it's very uh grid like you know when you're you're kind of in this state of like i'm not sure about myself or uh yeah. but then once you get into actually expressing your emotions and expressing expressing your sexuality and uh, being okay with yourself again the compositions become more fluid like the panels bleed into each other or they're not even there at all it's just kind of it reminds me of um, certain comic book uh, artists like J.H. Williams III, who, like, I don't know if you've ever read, like, Batwoman. Um, mm-hmm. It's something to look you know, look okay. at because he composes the pages yeah. in ways that aren't typical. Mm-hmm. You oh, know? cool. It's just, it's all this, like, flowy and, you know, like, shards and things are coming out of nowhere. <laughs> so, cool. So it reminded me of that is what I'm trying to say in the yeah. best way possible. It's basically like comicsology's nightmare. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, this doesn't read well. Yeah. We don't know how to do the guided view. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, if, I mean, was the, were those conscious choices or did you just, it kind of happened as you were creating? Um, It was sort of, I guess it was a combination of the two. Mm-hmm. Even the pages that look the most um, scrambly and flowy were still based on my grid. I have a, a physical grid that mm-hmm. I put underneath all of my pages. Oh, okay. Space. And if it's going to be a square panel page, then I just trace over whichever ones I want and combine them to make the different sizes. Mm-hmm. And when they're more swirly, I'm sort of drawing from, like, one part of one to another part of one. Okay. But I'm still keeping the grid in mind. You have mind. a flow in mind for yourself so that, yeah. so that you don't get lost either. You're like, okay. Yeah. Because it's important for me, even as things become more fluid, that the reader still feels like, okay. Um, you can still follow it. I know where I'm going. Mm-hmm. And I don't get taken out of the story by being confused about what's happening. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to show... Um, sort of like when I was talking about flowy states in art, um, 
the parts where it came across like that were with connections with other people, mm-hmm. which can become possible when you're feeling really confident and happy. You can mm-hmm. like connect with that other person or connecting with nature in part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, or just having a strong emotion in general that that could kind of bend the framework mm-hmm. of how you feel, but also the page panels yeah. themselves. The proportions yeah. all change, everything kind of just like kind of meshes into each other in, yeah. in a way that, but it's still readable. I mean. Yeah, there's um, the pages where I was being the most like, oh, I want this to happen, where's the makeout sequence mm-hmm. near the end where um, like on the first part of that sequence it was like um, like we're sort of in the middle and the, the buildings are yeah, sort of yeah. coming out from mm-hmm. from us because obviously at that point we were the center of the universe. Duh. <laughs> yeah. And then on the next page, what the panels were really integrating mm-hmm. into each other. And then that was the sort of, ooh, yeah. I'm like feeling very taken over by this woman. <laughs> yeah. How fun. So I wanted the readers to be sort of taken mm-hmm. into that experience too. Yeah. And for them to turn the page and be like, oh, like this is a nice, exciting treat for my eyes. <laughs> and also for this person. Yeah. <laughs> it also like it gets across this feeling of kind of giddiness and disorientation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, it's beautiful, but it's also like confusing. And yeah, mm-hmm. it, it really felt a true to, to the, to the scene you were oh, thank telling, you. you know. I think disorientation was part of what I was trying to convey with that and... The other sex, so the the first sex scene mm-hmm. with a woman in the book, I also got kind of exploratory mm-hmm. with the panels because I was like, I remember this particular image, <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember like flashes mm-hmm. and emotions and sensations. So I was like, how am I going to have, convey yeah. that? How do you depict that? And you know, yeah, because I mean, your depiction of of orgasm mm-hmm. is like quite frankly amazing. Like, oh, thank <laughs> you. So well done. Thanks. Like from one moment to another, well done there. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I um, yeah, I went through a lot of drafts of that Did because you? yeah, it was really important for me to get that right. And I found that whenever I was writing out like. Mm, it feels so good. Like, that just wasn't doing it. <laughs> like, no offense to anybody that makes their sex scenes that way. That sure, might sure. work for other people. Yeah. That's just, but for me, it wasn't... It's a show-don't-tell kind of thing. Yeah. Because, if yeah, if you're just writing like, oh my god, this sex is amazing. Can't you tell from the words I'm writing here that it's so amazing? It's like, well... Uh... Yeah. And I think if I was drawing any other experience of sex like if i was to draw like similar similar sexual acts with the same person that happened a year like six months later or a year later i would draw it differently okay but i um but also like showing not telling Mm -hmm. but it was important for me to capture the like i'm kind of in shock but in a really good way and i really Mm -hmm. want this to happen feeling yeah and also the ooh, like this is a lot of pleasure all at once, mm-hmm. shattery, happy feeling. Well, and I like too because it's it's in black and white as mm-hmm. well. And I mean, other comics would try to use color to convey all of that. You know, there's yeah. always certain mm-hmm. colors that can convey those emotions and like mm-hmm. warmth and, you know, disorientation. But in, in a black and white comic, 
I almost feel like that's doing double duty because you have to work with, you know, basically two colors to convey an emotion and an experience. So I tried to go to sort of like rhythm, like line rhythm, Mm -hmm. um, some textures, some contrasts, like there are certain like there are certain types of ways to draw lines that feel sort of shimmery or mm-hmm. feel like pulsy. Intense kind of. Yeah. yeah. And so it was about exploring those things. One thing that was fun was I, I remember at the time that it was happening because I'm a huge comics nerd mm-hmm. being reminded of a Charles Burns sequence. Okay. <laughs> and so... But I didn't even remember what sequence it was exactly. I just remember thinking, like, oh, yeah, this is, like, in that one comic where she's, like, really overwhelmed by what's happening, because that's how I feel. So then I made that passage about the orgasms. And then, like, after the whole thing was, like, done and, like, off to the publisher, I, like, went and I looked back at the Charles Burns book, which I haven't done in years, Mm -hmm. because that book is so disturbing to me that I, like, can't. So I, like, went to the library and looked at it, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, there are some... It's, like, not the same. Yeah. But I'm like, clearly I read this book in a formative time in my life. Yeah, it influenced you enough. Because yeah. that was the book where I really learned that black and white was totally sufficient to convey mm-hmm. all of these emotions. Yeah. It's, it's. I mean, like you said, it's all in the lines, it's all in the shading, it's all... Mm-hmm. I mean, there's... I think it's just an enormous accomplishment when you can do that, you know. Well, thank you. I like, it, yeah. It was it was many drafts. Um, maybe we can cut out the Charles Burns part in the in the podcast. <laughs> I don't want people to like look look at it and then be like, "Er, we can just cut that part." I I just like I think um, I think well, it it was a bizarre time in my life because I wasn't taking off work at that point and mm-hmm. I was. It was really important for me for that part to be right. So every time I went back to work, everybody was like, well, like, how was your weekend? Like, what did you do? And I was like, in my brain, I was like, well, I was trying to express orgasm, but only with black and white. <laughs> it was really what were hard. you doing? Um, and so I would just say that I was, like, drawing a lot of stuff. Yeah. But it was definitely um, a period of intense struggle to convey that mm-hmm. part. And also, um, once I drew sort of the main drawing of her that's with that part of the story, mm-hmm. I was like, well, this is really hot. So then I just kept looking at it and being like, oh. Mm. So, like. <laughs> you know, some nice nostalgia there as you're. <laughs> yeah. And I, I called her up and I was like, look, I need this specific reference photo of you making the specific face in the specific oh, position. Okay, I know the face. Yeah. Yeah. And she obliged. <laughs> yep. And like, um, that was really great because that, that one drawing is really complicated from like a perspective. physical perspective yeah. point of view. And so having um, somebody who was excited to fulfill Re- that. Recreate it. Recreate it, yes. <laughs> and for art mm-hmm. was really helpful. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what are orgasms like? Let me check. No, let's see. Hmm. We yeah. need to do some research here. <laughs> yeah. For art. It's like for art, quote unquote. Yes. 
So uh, as we kind of wind down on this, then mm-hmm. uh, what you have the, your your YA is it? It's gonna, just going to be a graphic novel, or is it going to sure. be like a, a prose as well? Going to be a graphic novel. Okay. It's um, it's really in it's it's in development. I'm hoping to get the proposal done by like June, mm-hmm. because I um. Originally, it was going to be March, but 2017 was such a big year for me that I want to pace it out a little bit more. And then, yeah, my agent will ship it around and Sweet. fingers crossed. Awesome. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's a big tonal shift because I do want to explore, like, for my first coming of age story, mm-hmm. like, crushy feelings, which includes some, like, um, like puppy love yeah, yeah. want to kiss you, our feelings. It's also, like, but not like, knowing what to do with those feelings. Not knowing what to yeah. do, and, like, yeah, it's just really about returning to myself at that time. Yeah. And not writing it as though I was now. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm leaving myself a bit more time with the proposal. For sure. Yeah. And, I mean, do you have anything else that you'd like to promote other than the big book of bisexual trials and errors? Anything else people should read that you've... Oh, well, I have... My website, ElizabethDrewU.com, mm-hmm. and also my Instagram handle, ElizabethDrewU. And um, if I make some shorter stuff along the way, I'll certainly be posting it there. Okay. Another goal I have for this coming year is to start doing some shorter pieces, like for the nib. Oh, sweet, yeah. Or something like that. It hasn't happened yet, but it's a goal. Something to look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and I have a... A section on my website with like just like single page comics. So if I make more of those, then they'll go up there. Sweet. Yeah. And Zan, what's what's next for Northwest Press? Uh, we're gonna do a Kickstarter for Steve McIsaac's collection. He uh, he did this uh, anthology series called Shirtlifter, which was a gay male mm-hmm. anthology series. I was very kind of sex focused. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of big burly folks in that one. Um, and he serialized a uh, long form story in that, in the last three issues. And they were like, I say issues, but they were like really thick, um, kind of almost little mini Oversized, books. Oversized, yeah. Um, and so we're um, going to collect that into a book called Unpacking. Nice. And that's going to uh, probably launch the Kickstarter at the beginning of next year. Sweet. Um, trying to get it done for the end of this year, but um, I've been wrapping up Elizabeth's book and yeah. I want to make sure that everything is... You know, neatly wrapped up in a bow on top, and doing a Kickstarter during December is probably not a good idea. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and Christmas so, presents for everybody. Yeah, and then there's also an anthology project that um, I haven't talked about publicly yet, but I've been kind of asking around. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to do an anthology about the U.S. Oh, okay. And it's going to be the first book of uh, Northwest Presses that isn't really specifically LGBTQ, but it's mm-hmm. obviously because I'm me and because I'm working with the people I work with, it will be very heavily represented. Um, but I just want to do a book about the U.S. and talk about um, all narratives, all personal stories, mm-hmm. uh, fictional or non-fictional. Um, but I want um, I want it to be the kind of book that people can give their parents, Ooh. specifically if their parents voted for certain people. Mm, <laughs> I see. Um, so it's going to try to I'm going to try to make something that I mean it's challenging, but I want to make something that's accessible mm-hmm. um, that people can read and see themselves in and not feel like mm-hmm. they're cartoon villains. Like if they don't agree yeah. with some of the characters in there. And maybe, you know, maybe 0.05% of people will be swayed. Um, and that, nice. that, you know, that would be enough. That's, that's, <laughs> that's enough that we need. Yes. So, yeah. yeah You're going to be that's... the Howard Zinn of mm-hmm. uh, comic books. Basically. Yeah. I started working on this on November 10th. 
oh, last really? year. Oh, okay. And so I've been letting it kind of gestate and thinking about it, and mm-hmm. it's been refining. So awesome. pretty soon there'll be a public call. Looking forward to that. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you guys for, for being a part of this. I'm glad that we could talk about it after doing the presentation. So I'm Yay, always, thank you. I'm always glad when people want to do something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was really fun. Thank you. Secrets are